Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for giving us once again, Lord, the opportunity to gather together and to seek your face and to open your word and hear you speak to our hearts that we would be transformed, Lord, uh, more like you. And so, Father, I pray that and trust that our hearts are, are ready to receive the very seed of your word. And thank you for the just simple, precious, pure time of worship. And we, we love you, Lord. We thank you. And Lord, I decrease that you would increase. I empty myself of myself, so fill me with yourself. And everything that I say and every thought that enters my mind would be of you and not of me. And not of me. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Proverbs chapter 13. Also, if you have the church app, you can go to Sundays on your church app and then go to Bible and then to read now and it'll take you right to uh, today's text if you want to do that. So we're now in part 14 of our series, Wisdom that works, say wisdom that works. And you guys know this already, right? Before we even dive into the text, I want to do a quick review from last week's text, chapter 12. We covered all of chapter 12, and I gave you two points. Uh, it was called the root, uh, rooted in righteousness. And the first point of last week's message text was the value of righteousness. Say that, the value of righteousness. And that's in verses 1 through 12. And that the key to maturing faith the key to righteous living is the ability to receive instruction and correction from God's word and from, from the wisdom of others. And if we desire to stay on the path of righteousness, desire to grow wiser, uh, we will welcome that which teaches us a lesson, even if it's painful and even if it's hard. And then uh, Solomon says, the righteous cannot be uprooted. And this is a picture of a tree that is flourishing because it has what? Say deep roots. Then he says in verse 4, a wife of noble character is her husband's crown. That's speaking about a, vir a virtuous woman. And he says, the plans of the righteous are just. And he says, the house of the righteous stands firm and the root of the righteous flourish. That's the value of righteousness. And then the second point was avoiding trouble. Say that, avoiding trouble. So understanding the value of righteousness and being rooted in righteousness helps us, right, you and I, helps us avoid trouble. And Solomon says, because a righteous person speaks truth, they will not be condemned, and that a wise man, a wise woman listens to advice, and they value the opinions of others rather than just their own opinion. Then he says, a wise person stays calm, what, when insulted, Right? A truthful witness gives honest testimony. In other words, it promotes righteousness. Then he says, reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. In other words, wise people, right? Wise people use their words to encourage and to promote healing, right, and comfort. And then the chapter closes by saying, in the way, say the way, of righteousness there is life. Along that path is immortality. The way of righteousness, in other words, friends, in God's way, say God's way, in God's way, his way produces life, not death. This now brings us to today's text, and the title of my message today is Fruitful Living. Everyone say that. Love that title, Fruitful Living. And here in this chapter, we uh, continue to see Solomon's contrast couplets, contrasting thoughts that have been linked together with the word what? Say but. And you'll notice, friends, as we continue in this series, that Solomon repeats himself a lot. Um, but that's okay, because repetition's good. 
right? Because we tend to forget, right? <laughs> right? Five points from the text. If you're ready, say yes. Number one is instruction. Write that down. Say that. Instruction. And as you write that down, we're going we're to look at verse one. And Solomon writes, a wise son heeds his father, son or daughter, heeds his father or her father's instruction. That word could also be uh, rendered as discipline, correction, okay, rebuke. Now, I want to stop there because I want to point out that the, the admonitions and, and observations about children listening to the instruction of the parents have been a reoccurring theme in this book, Right? Why? Why? Because as a young person, life is laid out in front of him or her, and they're faced with major decisions, right? Major decisions that would set the course of their life from then on. So they need instruction. Let's look at the text again. A wise son, daughter, heeds their father's instruction. In other words, they value and pay careful, pay careful attention to it. Now, if they're wise... If they're wise, they realize that their father, listen now, listen now, has life experiences and much to offer them on how to live, on how to live, because he's lived, right? You got to live a little, right? So he's lived, right? And he teaches them what's right uh, from wrong, the ability to make good choices, uh, teaching them understanding from God's perspective, uh, teaching them what's true, what's holy, and what's right. Now, now listen, both father and mother are involved in instruction and teaching in the home. Okay, you got it? But the primary responsibility is the father's responsibility. It's his responsibility, not his wife, not the mom, not even the church. It's his. And God's word is very clear about this. I want you to write this down. Well, first of all, look at the text again. A wise son, daughter, heeds their, whose instruction? Father's instruction. doesn't say mother's. Father's instruction. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 7. Write that down. Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 through 7. says, these commandments that I give you, you speaking to the fathers, today are to be on your hearts, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Ephesians 6, 4. Write that down. Ephesians 6, 4. The verse opens with this, fathers, say fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, fathers, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Got it? Listen, fathers, we teach them not just by word, but also by deed. We're teaching them by the way that you and I, by the way that we live. And even when we don't open our mouths, friends, we're teaching our children something. We're teaching them more so by the way we live. Listen, as fathers, we are to be a model of godliness to our children. And this is how you and I as fathers, this is how we earn and earn the, the honor and the respect of our children. We as fathers have tremendous, tremendous, here's the word, influence, say influence, in the upbringing of our children. We play a very important, vital part in the life of our children. And sadly, what we see in our society today is heartbreaking. I mean, if you were to ask the question, how did our society get to where it is right now? I believe the majority of it has to do with the absence of a father in the home. Or, get this now, or the father is in the home, 
but not engaged or involved in their children's lives. Are you guys with me? So it's the father's primary responsibility to teach his children right from wrong. Are you with me? Godly instruction, teaching them truth, wisdom. And so the wise son, the wise daughter, I would say, right, anyone who's wise is open to instruction, open, right, to correction, that they may, what, gain wisdom. If you're saved, say amen. We're, we're children of God, aren't we? We're children of God, and he's our father, and because he's our father, he wants us to listen to his word for what? Instruction and correction and discipline. He wants us, get this now, he wants us to listen to the full counsel of his word. Full counsel, say full counsel. This means including parts that make us feel uncomfortable and parts that convict us. Now, sadly, there are some Christians who, who don't want to hear the full counsel of God's word. They just want to hear the parts that make them feel good. And, you know, I, I just want to hear the parts that make me feel good and parts that I agree with. And so the temptation for some preachers is not to preach the full counsel of God's word. And they won't deal with those issues or, or talk about those, um, those topics that are, are, are politically incorrect or unpopular and they won't mention or even hesitate to mention the word sin or repentance or the word hell. Listen, church, we need to hear the full counsel of God's word. And we are to hear it, be familiar with it, encouraged, instructed, challenged, and corrected by it, and then live it. We need God's word, the full counsel, because it's God's word that teaches you and I what's right, what's not right, how to get right, and how to stay right. That's God's word. So we need to hear the full counsel of God's word for instruction if we want to be wise. But, notice the verse, but, there's a contrast, a mocker, a mocker does not listen to rebuke. A mocker, a scoffer, we know this, right, is someone who sneers or who laughs at knowledge instead of learning from it. They're arrogant. They're foolish. One who doesn't respect authority nor respond to any kind of correction. Write this down, chapter 15, verse 12 of Proverbs. Chapter 15, verse 12 of Proverbs says, Mockers resent correction, so they avoid the wise. They resent correction, so they avoid the wise. You know what they are? They're know-it-alls. They're know-it-alls. A know-it-all is a person who knows everything except for how annoying they are. Right? Someone said this, if you're a know-it-all, then you should also know when to shut up. It's good advice. Right? And listen, it's a sad thing. A sad thing when someone lives their life thinking that they're beyond correction beyond instruction. And eventually they will face a rude awakening. And I'll prove it to you. Chapter 29, verse 1 of this book, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 1. Listen to what it says. Whoever remains stiff-necked after many, many rebukes will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. Huh? We need instruction. Our kids need instruction. We need instruction. And we cannot instruct our children if we're not being instructed by the Word of God. We all need instruction. Right? For wise living. Say instruction. Number two is speech. 
speech, and, and we know that Solomon talks about the tongue a lot. Speech, write that down. We'll look at verses 2 and 3 right now. And he writes, from the fruit of his lips, a man enjoys good things. In other words, just as a tree has good fruit, so good words have good effect. Now, I want you to follow me here, okay? If a person speaks kind, kind words, others will speak kindly to them. He's saying this, if they bless others with their words, they will be blessed in return. And so what we have here is the principle of the law of the harvest, right? What you sow is what you what? Reap. If you're safe, say amen. If you sow seeds, listen now, if you sow seeds of goodness, you can expect more of the same into your life. This could also mean that if I speak good things, if I speak right things, holy things, true things, it's going to feed me even as I share them with others. It's kind of like this when you kind of been, you know, you're kind of like down and out. And then, you know, you talk to somebody and you meet with them. You talk about the things of God and his word. It feeds them, but it also feeds you. Right? And you find your own souls being nourished and your own souls being fed. That's enjoying good things. That's enjoying good things. There's something powerful when you and I sit with others and talk to them, talk to them about the things of God. Amen? Then he says, but the unfruitful have a craving for violence. In other words, they desire and hunger for violence, but receive violence themselves. In context, in context, the term craving for violence used here describes what is crude or unripe. Unripe. Got it? We're talking about the fruit of lips. Unripe. And the bottom line is this. Words receive their just rewards. Words receive their just rewards. Verse 3, you still with me? Verse 3, he who guards his lips guards his life. I would even say keeps his wife. Yeah, right? He who guards his lips guards his life. And this is a repeated lesson in the book of Proverbs and should be one of our life verses. Really, it should be. Right? One of our life verses, it's keeping a tight restraint over what we say. Listen, weighing our words, measuring our words keeps you and I out of trouble. It's a good thing to measure them before you say something. Right? But, here's a contrast, he who speaks rashly will come to ruin. In other words, their careless, harsh, malicious words will rebound to harm them. And what they do, they blurt out words without concern for the consequences. An Arab proverb says this, take heed that your tongue does not cut your throat. Write this down, Psalm 19, verse 14. Psalm 19, verse 14. Let the words of my mouth, this should be one of our life verses as well. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let the words of my mouth Huh? You hear that? Words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, Lord. That whatever I say, acceptable in your sight. Verses 4 and 5, the sluggard craves and gets nothing. Why? Because they're too lazy to work for it. But, here's a contrast: the desires of the diligent. Say diligent. I love that word. Say diligent. Are fully what? Satisfied. Why? Because they work hard. They work hard to get whatever they want to get, whatever they're after. 
and they understand the rewards of honest labor. Now, rather than dreaming about what you wish you had, work towards realizing your dreams. In other words, friends, that's what I'm saying. If you want your dreams to come true, get out of bed and start working. Right? Now, let's go back. He says, but the desires of the diligent, diligent, someone who works hard, who's diligent at it, is fully satisfied, right? So, so, so I want to say this. If you're diligent in reading God's word, you will be fully satisfied. Diligence in reading God's word. Verse 5, the righteous hate what is false. In other words, the righteous, they hate lies. They hate the way that is false. Why? Because the God of truth lives inside of them. Right? Now, if you're saved, say amen. Because God lives inside of us, we should have a distaste for lies and deception. But, here's the contrast, the wicked bring shame and disgrace. The wicked bring, bring shame and disgrace. Now, this is interesting. I want, I'm going to read it from the King James, okay? And the King James says this, But a wicked man is loathsome, say loathsome, and cometh to shame. Interesting, the Hebrew word loathsome is zara. Say zara. It means disgusting, nauseating smell. It means to have a bad smell, to be stinky. Are you guys with me? Follow me. The wicked, the wicked stink and make themselves hateful to any who might know them. Therefore, no one wants to get near them. You guys with me? Loathsome, Zara, stinky. Here's a lesson. Ready for the lesson? Don't be stinky. Okay? And what I mean by that is you take this into context is don't live in a way that brings shame and disgrace to your life. Or shame and disgrace to God. You guys with me? Don't be stinky. Okay? Number three, ethics and wealth. Say that. Ethics and wealth, verses 6 through 11. Verses 6 through 11, Psalm says, Righteousness guards the man of integrity. I love this. I love this. Righteousness is like a fortress. That's what it is. And what it does, it guards you. It protects you from making bad, stupid, sinful decisions. But wickedness, contrast, wickedness overthrows the sinner. In other words, it will ultimately lead them to paying the consequences. Verse 7. One man pretends to be rich, yet has what? Nothing. Another pretends to be poor, yet has great wealth. And what Solomon's saying is this, some pretend to be rich to be somebody, while others pretend to be poor to conceal their wealth. And perhaps they do that to avoid helping someone in need, right, or, or to lend someone money. The point is this, I believe Solomon's point is this, don't try, don't, don't try to make yourself out to be what you're not, okay, what you're not. This could also be interpreted that those who focus on material wealth are spiritually poor. Like the, like the rich farmer in Jesus' parable who boasted about all of his crops, but he was what? Spiritually bankrupt. And like the church of Laodicea, we know this, right, friends? Who boasted about its affluence, but it lacked true wealth. This could also be interpreted that those less concerned with worldly wealth are spiritually rich. You guys with me? Verse 8, 
a man's riches may ransom his life. Now, now this could mean that the rich person could buy themselves out of trouble, but, but in context. Remember, everything's got to be in context, right? In context, it, it means a more literal ransom. It means the rich person is able to pay the fee demanded by someone to return a captured or kidnapped person. Now, saying this about the wealthy, there are some downsides to being wealthy, right? I mean, it's right here. You could be robbed or kidnapped, right? But here's a contrast. A poor man hears no threat. In other words, no one's going to make such threats against a poor person. Why? Because they have nothing. They have nothing. No riches to give. Verse 9. The light of the righteous shines what? Brightly. I love that. They shine brightly because they do what's right. Now I want you to get this. Those who choose rightness will have a brightness to their life. I'm going to say it again. Those who choose rightness will have a brightness to their life. Jesus said that we are the light of the world. Salt of the earth and what? Light of the world. Right? We ought to shine brightly. Wherever you go, whatever room you walk into, you've heard me say this many times, the room ought to light up. Unfortunately for some of you, the room lights up when you walk out. Okay? But we ought to, listen, wherever we go, we ought to light up the place. Right? Be light. Be light. Be light. But, contrast, the lamp of the wicked is what? Snuffed out. So the light of righteousness continues, continues, but the lamp of the wicked is what? Extinguished. Verse 10, pride only breeds quarrels. In other words, pride, you know what pride does? Pride leads to strife. That's what it does. Let me ask you this. When, when you're arguing with someone and, and you can't resolve the issue, what happens? What, 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 what keeps things at odds? What is it? Pride. It's pride. When you're arguing with someone and, and you realize you were the one who was wrong, huh? when you realize that, what keeps you from admitting it or apologizing for it? Pride. It's pride. A proud person always thinks that they're right. Therefore, friends, will not listen to anyone else. Look at the contrast. But wisdom, say wisdom, is found in those who what? Take advice. A wise person, listen now, behaves differently. Why? Because they're willing to hear the advice of other people. In other words, they're humble. They humble themselves to hear the advice of other people. This is why a wise person has great understanding. Because he or she listens to other people. I need wisdom here. Okay? Verse 11, this honest money dwindles away. Did you get that? But, contrast, he who gathers money, little by little, makes it what? Bro. What Solomon is saying is this. The wisdom of honest hard work here, obviously, is contrasted with the folly of dishonest gain. And you see, friends, the wise acquires, this is what he's driving at, the wise acquires wealth honestly, gradually, and spends it carefully, and gives it generously. In fact, money is worth more when a wise person owns it. 
because they have wisdom on how to deal with it. Got it? Someone said this, steady and progressive savings is better than dishonest and greedy grabbing. Avoid the get-rich-quick schemes. Huh. Good advice. Good advice. Instruction, say instruction. Say speech. Say ethics and wealth. Number four is fulfillment. Write that down. Say that. And what we see here, what we see here is fulfillment through wisdom in contrast with frustration through folly. Got that? Fulfillment through wisdom in contrast with frustration through folly, foolishness. Verse 12, hope deferred. In other words, friends, put off or delayed or suspended makes the heart sick. Now, I want to stop there. When we don't receive something that we've been hoping for or we've been praying for, what does that do? It makes us sad at times. So it's kind of like this. We have this hope. We have this hope. And guess what, friends? It's deferred. Put off the laces. And we get, it's, when he says, makes a heart sick, it's like we go, oh, man, you know, I've been hoping for this. I've been praying for this. And it's not coming to pass. And it makes us sad. But we need to understand that sometimes you and I, we have to wait. It's all in God's timing. And I know, I get it, it's difficult. It's difficult. And we may not see quick results, friends, from our prayers, but we should wait for God's timing. Amen? But, but notice the second part of verse 12. But a longing fulfilled is a what? Tree of life. In other words, seeing our hopes coming to pass in God's timing is what? Uplifting. Uplifting and fulfilling. If you're safe, say amen. There is one hope that you and I can count on. We can take it to the bank. Okay? And that is the fulfillment of being with Jesus for all of eternity. And there in all of eternity, the new heaven and new earth, there is a tree of life. Revelation 22.2. Go home and read that. There's a tree of life. There will be completely fulfilled. Right? Our hope will be completely fulfilled. Verse 13. He who scorns instruction will pay for it. The King James Bible renders it like this. Who so despises the word will be destroyed. In other words, the one who willfully rejects it, okay? But he who respects a command is rewarded. You know what this is saying? This is what it's saying. Obedience, say obedience, results in blessings. I'm going to tell you, friends, God will always, always reward obedience. He loves it when you and I are obedient. God rewards obedience. The message says it like this. Ignore the word and suffer. Honor God's commands and grow rich. A rich spiritual life. You guys ready for the lesson? Here's a lesson. Very simple. Obey God's word. Obey God's word. Now I want you to hear me here, okay? Reading, studying, listening, quoting God's word, meditating, loving God's word is a good thing. But it's not enough. It's not enough. Are you guys with me? We must do what it says. 
hey, I'm, I'm, I'm glad, you know, that you're, that you're reading and studying and listening and meditating and quoting. And, oh, I love God's word. That's great and all. But are you living it? Are you living it? James 1.22, we know this, right? Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. We must be doers of God's word. He didn't come to give us just knowledge, right? He came to transform our lives. And, and, and listen, knowledge, information without application is hallucination. All right? You, you got to put what you know to work. That's wisdom. That's wisdom. Amen? So do what it says. Verses 14 through 17. The teaching of the wise is a fountain of life, turning a man from the snares of death. Man, I love that. And one of the primary themes, right, of this book is the importance of heeding wise teachings. And like a fountain, wise teachings, what it does, it offers refreshments, refreshment, and then what it does, it sustains our life. And you see, I want to tell you, ordinary wisdom can save a person from natural dangers or death, but it's God's wisdom, say God's wisdom, that can save a person from the danger of hell. Right? Verse 15, good understanding. In other words, good judgment wins what? Favor. Reminds me of Daniel. Daniel won favor from the king and those around him. But here, the way of the unfaithful is hard. Did you get that? The way of the unfaithful is what? Hard. It's a hard road, man. I'm telling you. So you want to do it your way? Go for it. Okay? Let me know how that works for you. Because it's a hard road. Huh? Good luck on that one. Yeah? Verse 16, every prudent man acts out of knowledge. Acts out of knowledge. In other words, they don't waste their knowledge. They love knowledge. And they love knowledge, but they also use it well. And they use their knowledge to help other people to stay, help other people, and also to stay safe themselves. But, contrast, a fool exposes his folly. Okay? The fool, in other words, has no understanding. No understanding. They make the wrong decisions, and everyone can see this, and everyone realizes that this person is really stupid. They're foolish. Verse 17, a wicked messenger falls into trouble. So this is one who doesn't deliver the message properly. And result, the result is that they will be dealt with because of it. They got a message, but they don't deliver it properly. Maybe half of the message, maybe not Maybe it's incomplete, but, here we go, but a trustworthy envoy, in other words, an ambassador or representative, brings healing. They bring health by being trustworthy, health by being faithful. In other words, they bring the message faithfully, right? They're trustworthy, they bring the message unchanged, unchanged, and it produces good and healing. So follow me here. If you're safe, say amen. We are ambassadors of Christ. We are representatives of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.20 states that. 2 Corinthians 5.20. In other words, we carry the message from God to lost souls around us, correct? And God has given you and I a message called the gospel, the word of God. And we are to faithfully, listen now, faithfully declare it and deliver it unchanged. Unchanged. 
so that it will bring healing, in other words, salvation, to the lost souls. Get that? Unchanged. This is the word, unchanged. Got it? It's the same. It's unchanged, though. Amen? We don't add stuff to it or take away from it. Got it? We bring the message, the complete message of the gospel of Christ. Here's the lesson. You ready for the lesson? Share the gospel. Share it. Don't keep God's message to yourself. Don't keep God's message a secret. Now, I want you to get this. Our relationship with Jesus Christ is a personal relationship, right? However, Jesus never intended his relationship with us to be private, secret, or unshared with others. Got it? You and I have been saved, right, to share the word to the unsaved. You can't just keep it to yourself. And if you're keeping it to yourself, there's something wrong. We are saved to share the message of salvation. Got it? We're ambassadors, representatives, and we share the whole counsel of God's word, not just what we feel we should share or change it or try to change it or alter it. Got it? So we share this word. We share this word. If you're saved, say amen. Then you and I are called by God, commissioned by God, to share the gospel with others. We're ambassadors, representatives of the kingdom of God. Can I get an amen? Verses 18 and 19, he who ignores discipline, and I would say ignores discipline from God's word, from parents, from pastors or teachers, comes to poverty and shame. In other words, they put themselves on a path to failure. But, contrast, whoever heeds correction is what? Honored. God will give honor to them. And what they do, because, listen now, friends, because they heed to correction, God honors them. That means they put themselves on the path to a blessed life. Don't you want to have a blessed life? Then heed to correction, because God honors that. 19, verse 19, a longing fulfilled is sweet to the soul. In other words, there comes a deep satisfaction when our desires are fulfilled, right? I mean, right? But fools detest turning from evil. Why? Because the fool loves evil. The fool loves evil things. They, 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 they won't wait for good things. They won't. Instead, what they do, friends, is they wait for evil things, and they want them now. Evil things now. Say instruction. Say speech. Say ethics and wealth. Say fulfillment. Number five is consequences. Say that. Consequences. Then look at verse 20 with me. Write that down. Consequences. Verse 20. He who walks with the wise grows wise. You've got to underline that, highlight that, circle that, memorize that. Let that be one of your life verses. He who walks with the wise grows what? Wise. And this is why you and I, we need to choose our friends wisely and carefully. Because the people you associate with will influence your decisions and your outlook in life. Are you guys with me? So be very, very careful who you allow to influence your life. Be very careful. You're safe, say amen. Wise Christian friends will help you become, listen now, a wiser and stronger Christian. 
That's why it's important for you to be connected to wise believers. Amen? He says this, but, but, contrast, a companion of fools suffers harm. And the harm can be earthly, but it also can be, can be eternal. You guys ready for the lesson? You can't soar with the eagles if you're running with the turkeys. Yeah, write that down. Yeah, yeah, because it's true. It's true, right? I know some folks who want to soar with the eagles, but they're running with the turkeys. Okay? You want to be wise? Be around, be around wise people, not foolish people. Yeah? Can I get an amen for that? All right? Verses 21 through 24, misfortune pursues a sinner. Did you get that? Misfortune pursues a sinner. In other words, they pursue the evil of sin, and the evil of punishment pursues them. Oh. But, contrast, prosperity is the reward of the righteous. The New King James Bible renders it like this, but to the righteous, good, say good, good shall be repaid. In other words, good leads to good outcomes. And while sin brings negative consequences. Verse 22, a good man, woman, leaves an inheritance for his or her children's children. Now, good people, as a general rule, pass on their wealth as an inheritance from generation to generation. That's what it's pretty much saying. But this could also mean, I love this, I, I, I kind of take lean towards this way. This could also mean that wisdom in life has last, lasting effects. Okay? Especially in one's own family from generation to generation. Right? So hopefully if I'm wise and live a wise life, my kids will live a wise life and their kids will live a wise life. Generation to generation. If you got it, say got it. But, here we go, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. Now sometimes God will pass on the wealth of a sinner to a righteous person. And this happens in cases where unsaved parents leave inheritance for their Christian children. So that could be the case there. Verse 23. A poor man's field may produce abundant food, but injustice sweeps it away. Let me read that again. A poor man's field may produce abundant food, but injustice, say injustice, sweeps it away. Injustice, unjust laws, steals what honest labor produces. And sadly, friends, sadly, the poor are often the victims of an unjust society, right? And I want to tell you, as believers, we should do what we can to fight injustice, right? Because we're believers. Verse 24, he who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is what? Careful to discipline him. The message says it like this. A refusal to correct is a refusal to love. Love your children by disciplining them. Listen, if you love your children, do you love your children? If you love your children, you will discipline them. But I want you to keep in mind, friends, that that, that doesn't give you an excuse to be an angry or an abusive parent. You see, get this. Destiny, excuse me, discipline affects destiny. Discipline affects destiny. If you don't discipline your children, you're participating in their destruction. You guys with me? Because discipline affects destiny. So here's the lesson. You ready for the lesson? Lovingly discipline your children. Lovingly discipline 
your children. And I want to tell you, when it is done in love, friends, it produces understanding, it drives out foolishness, it produces obedience, and it develops reverence. Reverence. Now notice the text says this. It's careful to discipline them, not punish them. There's a big difference. And I want you to follow me. Don't try to write it down. You get back on YouTube and, and listen to it, okay? The purpose of punishment is to inflict penalty. The purpose of discipline is to promote growth. The focus of punishment is on the past. The focus of discipline is on the future. The attitude of punishment is anger. The attitude of discipline is, is love. The result of punishment is fear and guilt. The result of discipline is security. You get that? Security. And we want to raise children who are disciplined, right? Who feel loved and secure in our home. Got it? So if you love your children, you'll discipline them. And let me say this. This discipline should be led by the father. Right? By the father. Not saying the mom can't throw the chunkla at them, okay? All right? But, you know? <laughs> so my mom did, you know? It's like a boomerang, right? <laughs> right? Right? But, yeah, I'll tell you. Good aim, too. Good aim. Good aim. Verse 25, we're almost wrapping this up. The righteous eat to their heart's content, but the stomach of the wicked goes hungry. I want to say this. This verse is, is not just about food, okay? It's about satisfaction. Say satisfaction. A foolish, unrighteous person, he calls them wicked, always wants more things. You notice that? They always want more food, more money, more possessions. They want to be famous and successful and even if they're already famous and even if they're already successful, then they want to become more famous and more successful. We see this in Hollywood all the time. They're never what? Satisfied. Never satisfied. But a righteous, wise person doesn't need these things. Are you guys with me? Because they're content with the things that God gives them. They're content in their relationship and their walk with God. Got it? Now I want you to write this down, Matthew 4.4. 4. We're going to wrap it up here, Matthew 4.4. 4. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of who? God. I'm going to read that again. Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth, proceeds from the mouth of God. So as we wrap this up, what's, what's it going to be for you? Think about that. What's it going to be for you? Huh? What's it going to be? Is it going to be living by the world and the world standards, living for the world? Because the result of that and the consequences of that is an unsatisfied, unfulfilled, unfruitful life. So is it that, the world and the standards of the world and living for the world and by the world? Or is it living by the word? 
Is it living by the word? Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Or is it living by the word? Because the result and the consequence of that is a satisfied, fulfilled, fruitful life. Amen? If you're saved, say amen. As people look at us and see us and about our daily walk and what we do, they should see someone who is satisfied, someone who's fulfilled, and someone who's bearing good fruit. Amen? That's the point. So what's it for you? The world or the word? Let's all stand. Father, we thank you for your word and thank you for all that we've learned this morning. and So much, Lord, to take in. But we thank you that we've had the opportunity, Lord, to, to hear you speak to us. That we would know your word and live a fruitful life. That we would listen to instruction, watch our words, be ethical and be careful how we spend our money and how we look at wealth and that we would live a fulfilled life that we'd understand the consequences of this or that. Thank you for your word. Thank you for who you are. That we would live wise lives, live fruitful lives that honor and glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Praise him, he is worthy. Perhaps there's someone here this morning, you don't know Jesus, you've never been saved, and just want to give you an opportunity. I know most of you here, but you've never given your life to Jesus, never been saved, and you're saying, you know what, I'm tired, I'm, I'm weak, I'm tired, I'm tired of living my life this way. I need, I need someone bigger, stronger, wiser than myself. I need someone to transform and change my life. I need a better outlook than what I'm, and how I'm living now, and that's you this morning. If you say, you know what, Pastor, I, I just, I need to, I need to come to Jesus I've tried all these things that don't work. I need something that works. Well, that's you. Would you come right now to the front? I'll pray with you. Someone here says, I, I want to give my life to Jesus. If that's you, come forward. Anybody here? Anybody? Okay, Christians? I mean, gosh, you know, I mean, it speaks for itself, doesn't it? Okay? And again, it's our choice. It's either the, wor- the world or the word. And when you live by this, you bear good fruit. You bear good fruit. You make good decisions. Yeah? Wise decisions. Okay? And so it guides you. And so I would encourage you all to continue to dig and and bury your face in the Word of God and know that it's through the Word that we are, are wise and we get knowledge and understanding to live a life that bears good fruit. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you once again, Lord, for giving us the opportunity to come together. And Father, thank you, Lord, that we... um. We have a choice, and we bear the consequences of the choices that we make. And my prayer is, Lord, that we would choose you, choose the word, choose righteous, wise living, and turn away from the world. Be glorified in all that we say to you, Lord, that you would be uplifted, and we would focus on you, that we'd be light to the world and salt that we would make a difference to those around us, that wherever we walk, we would light up the place because you are the light in our lives. 
In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hug somebody, love you.